Welcome to the Sports Honchos Radio Show, part of the Go Sports Media Company Radio Network. We're hoping you're here because you've just about had it with everyone and everything else. And you're looking for a pair of good-looking guys to tell it like it is, like it was, and how it should be. Or maybe you've got nothing else to do right now and you just need to waste some time. Either way, you might as well turn it up because it's time for the boys to get in your face, under your skin, over the top, and out of bounds. And now, here are your honchos, Paul Cuthbert and Robert Cuny. Hello there, Mr. Cuny. Shalom, Mr. Cuthbert. Let's go! Woohoo! We're back, baby! Wednesday, May 19th, episode 30 Deuce! Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, here in the great state of New York. On Long Island, and everybody say hi to your favorite honcho, Mr. Robert Cuny, in the great state of Maryland. How are you, buddy? Welcome back. Greetings and salutations, everybody. Yes, I am back, back from the almost dead. Sorry that we couldn't be here with you last week. But remember, folks, as we tell you just about every week, if you need your honchos fixed, besides all the usual locations for Previous episodes, 911. Operators are standing by. We'll give you your own personal honchos experience, which sounds a lot creepier than it actually is. So, what happened last week, buddy? You had the poops. Uh, it was. Have you been to Las Vegas? I have a couple. Have of times. you seen the the fountains in front of Caesar's Palace? Yes, I have. That is what my tuchus and mouth were oh, approximating. Dear Lord. <laughs> A couple times, and a couple times it was both at the same time. It was uh, glorious as I ridded myself of all fluids. Woo! Mm, delicious. Talk about dehydration. We bring it to you real here, baby, on the hot shows. Yeah, we wanted to get that out of the way quickly, just in case you were settling down with your evening snack, chips and soda in one hand, and the podcast fired up on your Google machines. And I wonder what they're going to talk about tonight. And we hit you with the diarrhea and vomit right out of the chute. Hey, right out of the chute. See what I did there? <laughs> well, uh, you know, we got a lot of mail. A lot of mail from your fan base. How's Rob? What happened last week? We have never had a, a, a week where we didn't have honcho since we started this thing 17 years ago. I'm surprised nobody emailed you and said, oh, thank God that guy's off the show. No, didn't when get any get of those. Sports honcho solo shot. No. The Paul no. Cuthbert show, ladies and gentlemen. No, no, can't do it. Everybody knows this is a two-man job. Two-man job. Not, you not weren't Wednesdays here. Wednesdays with Pauly? No. There's our new, the next podcast, Wednesdays with Pauly. <laughs> After you kick me out of, out of the boat. No, even, I mean, look, even though I did get all the, uh, I bought all the domains, Sport Honcho, at Sport Honcho. Paulie the honcho. I have all that stuff ready just in case, but it's not going to happen. Rob sucks. Yeah, I got it. Robsucks.com. I don't have that right. one. That's you know, a good well, one. You, have, you, you, know, have who, you know who has that one? Pat has that one. Your yeah, buddy probably. Pat. You know. if, or, yeah. or my mom. My mom probably is that. <laughs> Come on now. Mom wouldn't do that. Hey, you don't, you've never met her. She's, a She's got goddamnsonofabitch.com for that. <laughs> She's a salty broad when she wants to be. Love you, mom. I know you're listening. There's nothing salty about you. All right, man. Okay. Well, you look good. You look good. I mean, folks, again, we, we've been promising for uh, 16, 15 years now. Uh, we're going to go to video, but um, we're not there yet. But Rob looks very good since his fountain of troubles there last week. Yes, Looking good, thank buddy. You. I, like, I like how you put that, the fountain of troubles. Uh, yeah, I, you didn't want video last week, and you certainly didn't want 
me half-assing it my way or my way through the show last week. So I, again, apologies, but if we can't give you at least a solid seventy-five percent, there's no reason for us to do the show. So well, that's there's that's our why guarantee. Everybody appreciates that, buddy. You know, we thank you very much for that. All right. So once again, everybody, thanks for joining us here uh, on the Sports Honchos and everybody listening on the Dean Blundell Net as well. Um, still part of that great family up in Canada, and things are moving along there. In fact, me and Rob got to get our acts together because uh, we've got to get this video stuff going. We've got to get some uh, other promotions and marketing going because uh, the Dean Blundell Network is is pushing forward, and they're bringing us with them, and uh, we're very excited about that. And uh, before the show tonight, me and Rob were cutting a couple of Honcho's commercials, and let's just say, I don't know, probably should have hired some professionals. Probably. You can say that about the entire show. And don't forget, we have to get our matching uh, Justin Trudeau tattoos uh, sometime before the summertime comes. Sometime before bikini season is in full effect. By the way, speaking of only giving 75% effort, have you seen any of these cicadas we've been warned about? Because I have seen not a one. Not one gross exoskeleton laying out in my front yard. Nothing crunching under my feet except things that crunch. You like that? You thought I was going to say something much more clever. I was, but uh, we don't get them until August around here up on the island. Because I hear people in my neck of the woods talking about cicadas. I'm like, where? Where is my every 17-year party favor? The crunch of the cicadas. It's too early. So I was going to ask you, I said, not here. is it spring in Maryland down there? Well, I know you guys are a little southern than us here in the island. It's beautiful up here. I mean, you know, the Lord is uh, shining down on us here. And, 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 and you know, we've got, uh, you know, the governors opening everything up. Uh, the Northeast here, New York, everybody. Uh, the masks, they're gone. People are streaking in the streets here um, and wearing their masks on other parts of their body now. Uh, besides their face, since the CDC and the governors up here in the Northeast have just said, go ahead, hang out, have fun. Well, we've had, today was the first day it got into the 80s, and it's been unseasonably cool down here for the last several days. But now the weather is starting to be more like almost summertime. Hey, Memorial Day weekend is coming up. You're going to be schwitzing like Airedales for the next 90 days. So get used to it, folks. Um, and, and same thing down here. The governor has, has declared uh, apparently apparently COVID is over down here. So things are opening up, full capacity, mask mandates will be dropped. Even in my unbelievably restrictive county, uh, I, things are opening up. Mask mandates, I believe, are going to be dropped here in this county sometime before the 4th of July. Um, but things, people are slowly, some more slowly than others, slowly returning to normal. But again, even what, no matter what the governor says, it doesn't matter because businesses still have to, still have the option to say we're going to stick with our own mask mandates and so on. We don't but, wear masks here on the honchos. No, we're doing this mask free. Through this and, whole COVID thing, we've been rebels. Right. And... Cicada free, apparently. Yes. Oh, and uh, happy 75th birthday today to one Andre Rene Rusimov. Or I should say, today would have been the 75th birthday of one Andre Rene Rusimov, better known to you and I as Andre the Giant. Oh. 
would have been 75 today. See, so I, you know, I'm not... He um, will be missed. How long has he been underground now? 10 years? See, I, I don't... Years? I don't... I'm not a fan of celebrating dead people's birthdays primarily... This is no disrespect to the people who've lost loved ones and want to remember their birthdays, but I think the general public celebrating stars' birthdays, I... Oh, yeah. Freddie died. Freddie Mercury died, you know, 12 years. I love Freddie. He's an idol of mine, but I'm not putting up balloons to celebrate the 13th birthday since he died. I mean, I don't get that stuff. By the way, when I said he died about 10 years ago, I was just a smidge off. He died in 1993. <laughs> so he's, he's, been, a, he's been, a, been gone for quite some time now, more than a quarter century. That's Even time. more reason why you shouldn't be celebrating yeah. Andre the Giant's birthday. No, I just, you know what? Sometimes Post-humus. I hear things. I hear certain events or dates or pieces of trivia that I'm like, oh, Andre the Giant. Pop culture reference, kind of an icon. Nobody Best cares. known. Outside of wrestling, people know him for his spectacular role uh, in The Princess Bride. And so I thought I would, you know, 75 would have been a milestone birthday. Why do you say spectacular? He didn't win an Oscar for anything. He had a couple funny lines. He's a big guy. You don't have to win an Oscar to be spectacular. Great flick, you know, but I mean, come on. You've never won an Oscar. Was he spectacular? spectacular. Was he spectacular in that movie or was he cute, Rob? First of all, a man, a main a mane like I am. Doesn't say another mane. He's cute. <laughs> okay. Okay, Pally. I'm not was, gonna say I, you I'm look asking cute you again, Mr. Cuny or under oath. Was Andre the Giant not cute in that movie? Not I, spectacular. I cannot call another man cute. I will say his performance was pleasant. How's that? Disappointing. Any other dead people's birthdays you want to bring up? Oh, I'm sure there's a lot. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Speaking of dead people. At 7.43 p.m. tonight, uh, no Hall of Famer. Baseball Hall of Famous. No Baseball Hall of Famer has uh, bitten the dust. So, Willie, if the the family and friends of Willie Mays are listening, and we know you are, please grab Willie, give him a hug. Give the Say Hey Kid a nice hug. Say Hey Kid, baby. Yep, from all your pals here. Tell you, you you know, Willie could help out today, and we'll get into it later maybe a little bit. The cicadas? It's the New York Mets, baby. Ooh, I know they're still in first place, but everybody's injured. But anyway, we'll save that for the Major League Baseball section of the sports honchos. So what do you got for us tonight in the cold open there, Mr. Cuny? In the cold open? Well, I got a couple things quickly. Um, were you were you all on the island up there uh, as negatively impacted by the alleged gas shortage as those of us down here in Maryland? I um I actually went down to my local gas station here, and I filled up um, paper bags with nice. gas and put them in my wheelbarrow. Paper. I ever... use. I saw everybody using plastic bags. I figured, you know what? Let me try paper bags. Have you ever seen anything so as moronic as people using plastic bags, suitcases, open Tupperware? Yeah, I just. You know, it's part of the problem with the gas shortage is not that we don't have the gas. You know, no disrespect to our southern brothers down there, but the further south you go, the sillier things get. I mean, they they just they stop short of, you know, filling their mouths with gasoline to carry it home. I mean, that's that's the next line. Why not just pour it all over your car and let your car fire? Exactly. And then you won't need a car. Exactly. There you go. 
I mean, look, if, if people were just a, a fraction less stupid in their consumption of gas during this temporary shortage, we wouldn't have had all the lines yeah. and the gas stations closing. It's so it's now absurd. Here, if you don't mind me. Now, look, as far yes. as, you know, gun rights and everything, I, I'm up for it. You know, you want to own a gun, that's great. Okay, but I am for strict gun laws and I'm for background checks. Now, to get you, you see these people in these videos, right? They actually had to get a license. They were given a license to drive that car to the gas station to fill gasoline with plastic bags. Fill plastic bags with gasoline. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, I at least some of them. At least some of them had the good right? sense to double bag those. Those same people. Bags. Those same people can walk into a gun store and buy a gun with no license. It's frightening. I'm all for police just coming up to people and saying, just give me the license. No, you're done. Just give me the license. Here's some bus tokens. Those people should not be on the road. And no. a couple of people blew up. What a surprise. It's like the people that have fireworks accidents or deep fat fryer accidents on Thanksgiving. Yes, you're sympathetic. You feel bad when anybody gets injured. But a small part of you, there's a chuckle. There's a teehee. When you see somebody a victim of their own stupidity, so uh, anyway, it's in America. that's in America. That happened America. down the block from us, or down that's down a, down a few states from us. America. So, all right. Speaking of stupid, one more thing before we open. That's it. Up. We're not going to rail anymore on these dumb people. No, we we do that all the time. Yeah. Although, because it was shocking. This is the informal stupid people part of the program. At the end of the show, and we have And where the hell are the goddamn formal... gas attendants running out there saying, you can't do that? Okay. But then again, down have... in the South, I don't know what's law. I don't know what's law. Up here in New York, you try and pull that shit here in New York, needless to say, some New Yorker got out of his car and go, you out of your mind? Get the hell out of here. See, what you don't understand is I had the same question. People that are sitting in the little photo mat-like booth of the gas station watching through the window as people fill trash bags and grocery bags and duffel bags and Tupperware and their mouths with gasoline. Why don't they run out and say, stop, stop in the name of sanity. Um, it's all about the straight cash, homie, because the more gas you're pumping into your bags, and that's not a euphemism for anything, the more money they're making. And Hey, if a, someone has to have major burning all over their body, if a car is lost, if a pump is broken, that's just the cost of doing business. So no one's going to stop you from making a schmuck of yourself if it means more money. I can't believe more people didn't die. Well, it's only uh, Wednesday. <laughs> you know, just wait. Just uh, you wait. Lord help us. Lord help so, us indeed. Here's one more item. Speaking of people just jumping like lemmings off a cliff and into the absurd... Uh, you know, Disney, our good pals at Walt Disney World, or Disneyland, excuse me, the one in California, they have a brand new Snow White ride, which apparently uh, for children is quite frightening. Because, you know, every Disney movie has something that scares children. But it's gotten a lot of praise for a very, ah, yes, Disney music in the background. It's gotten a lot of praise for how much of a thrill ride it is especially for a ride marketed to families. However, and that music's pretty, pretty loud in my ear. However, however, 
According to uh, San Francisco Gate, that's apparently the name of a publication in San Francisco, can you guess what the ultra-liberal, we-have-nothing-else-to-complain-about crowd is complaining about? This is how a ride a- down in Disney. How they've, a- how they've attacked Disneyland over this ride? Can you guess which part of this ride has drawn the ire of the granola-eating, tree-hugging, ultra-liberal... Is it the Make America Dragon ride? No, this oh. is in the Snow White ride. Oh, I'm sorry. Wasn't there a dragon in the Snow White movies? Try to keep up. Wasn't there a dragon in the Snow White movies? That's Sleeping Beauty. Oh, I'm sorry. Try Make Americans up. sleep again. Ride. No, sleeping is part of it. What aspect of the ride do you believe is causing the most agita, the most surus? The operators of the ride fall asleep while you're on the ride? I don't know. No, you're done. You're done. Thank you. You fail. Thank you. Here it is. The new grand finale of Snow White's Enchanted Wish is the moment when, and here's the phrase that pays, Prince finds Snow White asleep under the Evil Queen's spell and gives her, quote, true love's kiss to release her from the enchantment, a kiss he gives to her without her consent while she's asleep, which cannot possibly be true love if only one person knows it's happening. That's right. Apparently, true love's kiss is being called out because it was done without Snow White's consent. And now, I think they got let me just there. say, I mean, he could have got a, he could have borrowed a bucket of water from the dwarfs and threw it on her. Neither Paul nor I are making light of non-consensual assault. However, in this case. We've all seen the movie. It wasn't uh, something lecherous or evil about Prince Charming waking up a comatose Snow White. Yes, he could have thrown water on her from one of the drawers. That would not have been as quite as romantic as True Love's Kiss. But it would have been the right thing to do. Uh, only according to, hold on, let me get the names right. Uh, Julie Tremaine and Katie Dowd, the writers of this article, who go on to say, it's hard to understand why the Disneyland of 2021 would choose to add a scene with such old-fashioned ideas of what a man is allowed to do to a woman, especially given the company's current emphasis on removing problematic scenes from rides like Jungle Cruise and Splash Mountain. Why not reimagine it in keeping with the spirit of the movie and Snow White's place in the Disney canon that avoids this problem? So I guess, Mr. Cuthbert, uh, you should write to Ms. Tremaine and Ms. Dowd and say, how about a nice bucket of water? (laughs) <laughs> like right that. over right over her head. Forget this go. kissing, Michigas. Just a nice, nice lukewarm room temperature bucket of water. Nah, throw some ice in there. Nothing says romance like a bucket of water over the head. Throw like some, some sort of a, a little blue dye ice, in there too. Some sort of ice bucket challenge thing. So that's um Now is this gonna go to the Supreme Court? I'm sure it's gonna go to the Court of Public Opinion, and as of now, uh, nobody has changed that ride or closed it down for reimagining. Hey, does, does Sleepy Joe have an opinion about Sleeping Beauty right here? Is this going to go up to the top? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> I hope Sleepy Joe doesn't hear about this. So good luck to Disney. Oh. That's how you know that America has gone off the rails. No, I think the gas thing was, uh, you know. Yeah, but this happened. this actually happened before the gas thing. 
Again, I haven't been But there. the gas thing is really bad, though. Yeah. The gas thing is super moronic. Yeah. That's a whole nother level of absurdity. This. Yeah, everybody knows Sleeping Beauty isn't real, right? It's Snow White, but the, yes. Oh, Snow, Everyone knows it's a fictional right. story. See, so I'm it getting is. things crossed here between Snow White and Sleeping Beauty. And I oh, apologize. The evil because I'm sure somebody's going to write a letter that that guy Paulie on the sports honchos doesn't have his Disney princesses in order here. Right, and and but we say regardless, if it's fashion, Sleeping Beauty or Sleepy Queen or <laughs> Bridget, whatever the queen is, Cinderella, whatever her name is, they ain't reals. They're cartoons. I mean, if you if your ire is raised by a ride that has a that's has a scene in which somebody yeah, hold on. You kisses don't, a woman back to wake up here her for up. a second. If that's all, no, wait, hold on a second. What is the ride? Zip it. Zip What's it. the ride? Zip it. Zip. Zip. One moment, please. As you keep stepping on my on my points. I got questions. I know. <laughs> as I was saying, if your ire is raised by this, by a woman being woken up from a, a coma induced by a magic spell. Now, see, I'm getting. Is it was the apple Snow White or is it? It doesn't matter. Snow White is under a spell. She's done. She's out, and could be for the rest of time. Some guy, some schmuck, some poor schmuck comes along, gives her a smooch, wakes her up, and says, "Booby, it's true love, Tatala. You and I were meant to be together." Well, now, now you're telling me this Jewish princess is princess? Aren't they all? Sorry. <laughs> Uh, so you so these people the Jewish prince. I don't, about what about the Jewish prince? The people that are upset about this now. Here's your choice: uh, in a coma forever on life support, forever being woken up by a delightful and dare I say romantic gesture by someone who may or may not be a total stranger. And he didn't check if there was an, a DNR, right? You know, somewhere like in her. And hand he or was something. probably fully vaccinated. <sighs> so there you go. Now, Mr. Cuthbert, dive in with your questions. What in God's name does this ride do? It takes you through the whole movie through an adventure. So it's you, just like all the other part ones. Part of it ends the with Little Mermaid. the ending is the death of the queen. Spo- a spoiler alert. The death of the witch, the evil queen, and you see Snow White woken up by Prince Charming. Everybody goes home a winner. Is, is it an animatronic? Those two. Or is it two real people? No, no, no. It's not. Uh, it's not real people. Oh, oh my, my God! So they're not even, even real, worse. It's not even a real guy kissing a sleeping real girl. You know, you bring these things up on the show, it gets me very agitated. That's what I. That's they're what not I'm real. To get you agitated, you would. If you said to me, "What do you think is more real? Uh, well, uh, Snow White being kissed by Prince Charming, or people putting gasoline?" Are you into sure it's Snow White and not Sleeping Beauty and Prince Charming? And who There's was no Cinderella? Who? Who was hanging out with Cinderella? What's his story? It's it's another prince. They're all the princes, the witches. They're all the same. It's what about the, the frog? The guy in the there's, frog who was the frog, and he's a prince. There's no frog. That's the other a, way around. It would be a, it would be a woman kissing the frog. I, so I where, so where's the uproar there about you know just a human hey, a human being in kissing the, in the, a in lizard? The frog community in the amphibian world. She could have got warts on her lips. Yeah. Kissing the frog. Big issue. Would you kiss a toad? Where's the uproar there? Who's defending the frogs? Maybe that frog didn't want to be kissed. Ladies and gentlemen, I would only kiss a frog or a toad or any other amphibious creature if I had their full consent. 
All right, it's time to leave Disneyland and head to the hardwood, the diamonds, and the rinks for a little hockey, hoops, and hardball here on the hot show. Put your hands together, Rob. Come on. We're not clapping. Come on, you gotta practice. Video's coming, man. Here we go, my favorite part. Woo! Oh, yeah! NHL playoffs in full swing, baby. NBA playoffs on tap. Baseball, 40, 50 games in. It's good stuff, lots of stories. It's right now, it's 1 1. Robert Cooney's Capitals are tied with the Boston Bruins. Right now in uh, game game two, I think. Right there, Rob. Game two. Just scored. Game two. Yeah. Um, can you believe, by the way, this is the first time since 1979 the Leafs and the Canadians have faced off in the playoffs? Can that be right? Yeah. Wow. It's awesome. 42 years. Um, their playoffs don't start until tonight. That uh, the, the Nova Scotia North. Because the Vancouver Canucks finally division. finished their season yeah. yesterday. Finally. Limp Final. to the finish line. Um, only one series, that's Tampa over Florida, is, uh, you know, 2 0. We got a lot of 1 1s, some 1 0s. Um, the Caps are doing what the Caps do, which is go to overtime in every game. They either get a big lead, then cough it up, or they somehow manage to come back and then at the very last second cough up their last minute lead. Um, we are getting. Game three, by the way, tonight. I stand corrected on myself. It's game three. Sorry. Yeah, game three. It's 1-1. Thank you. It's 1-1. The Bruins just scored a moment ago to tie it 1-1. Anyway, we're getting Kuznetsov back and Samsonov. A couple of clowns, these two guys. What? Yes, a couple of clowns. Are you serious or you're not serious? No, I am serious. Because what these guys have done twice now, twice this season, at the beginning and now at the end, the worst possible time to do this they run afoul of team rules they seem to get themselves in these covid exposed situations Samsonov hasn't hasn't played yes hasn't played in a few weeks neither has Kuzi Eller is playing her I don't know if he's playing tonight it was was a game time decision on Eller you had Oshie because of no Kuzi and no Eller for part of game two you had TJ Oshie playing center which is fine but he's not a center. American carrying the team on his back. So they're back. Now, here's the thing that concerns me the most. Coming into this season, your goaltending situation was this. Samsonov, the number one, coming off a good rookie season. Then you had Lundqvist backing him up, and you had Vanacek, a star in the in the wings. Now going into after game two of the playoffs, uh, Monday night, your starting goaltender was 40-year-old Greg Anderson, Craig Anderson, with Phoenix Copley, who has been a backup forever on this team. Yes, dependable. He's never going to be a starter. He's he's, you know, carrying a clipboard all the time on the bench. Magic um, stuff, man. It's like Smith and Chico Rush. It's uh... and they they peppered Anderson with 48 shots on Monday, and at 40 years old, 40 on Friday. He's now out of tonight's game because he needs a rest. He doesn't play, and then you stuck him in net. We did a, a yeoman's job finishing game one, starting game two. So now Samsonov is your starting goaltender, extremely rusty. And you saw in the first period, or maybe you didn't, they were just, it was shooting gallery time. 
shot after shot after, be shot, right. after shot on uh, on Samson. We're lucky it's just one one. And Copley is your backup. Vanacek's hurt. Anderson's hurt. Um, so I don't know. It's it's another another gonna be another nail biter between the Caps. Well, you you and the yourself Bruins. have been concerned with the goaltending here in Washington all season long. Um, yeah. I, I was I was happy with what Vanacek did. He had a pretty good season, considering he wasn't supposed to be the number one goaltender. Um, but, yeah, so but we'll the, see. the Bruins have gone back and forth too with their goaltending too. I mean, uh, you know, Rask was out there for a while, and then uh, you know this this kid came in here to play for him, uh, Swayman, who did a really good job. Uh, Rask, I believe, is starting tonight on playing for them. Um, he is. So yeah, yeah, he is. His helmet just got knocked off. Getting a little rough there in front of that. Um, but you know, with these two teams here, but it's it's pretty much everybody that's up front. That's going to be the storyline either way. No matter who you had in nets for either of these two teams. Granted, you know, um, you know, Rask can probably definitely steal a game for you. The experience is there. There's no doubt about it. And as far as Washington's concerned, too, look, this is a great series. You know, as as far as the matchups and the, and the experience, uh, both of these teams obviously in the last five six years going deep into the playoffs, winning Stanley Cups. Uh, you know, getting to the yep. finals, all this stuff, and uh, and then a couple of different moves here at the trading deadline. Obviously, Manta coming to Washington, and uh, Hall coming to to Boston. You know, along with everything else, Rob, and the rest of the playoffs here, all these matchups are just fantastic. So you, you can probably see yep. this series going seven. I think oh, it's, uh, it's definitely going to go seven. Yeah, I think your goaltending situation. If the Caps can get through this and get to the next round. And your boy can get well, and you know if these guys can plug in the stops here as far as uh, you know getting through this series, you'll be all right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll tell you what, I am watching Rashers pummel whoever's in the Capitals uh, in the head in his crease. I'll um, tell you what, uh, Laviolette is is front loading that top line. Normally, uh, he has Backstrom to. Backstrom's on the second. He's the second line center, but he's got Ovi Backstrom and Mantha as his top line. Um, with Oshie centering the third line, with Tom Wilson on the third line. So, yes, he does. I mean, he, he has very little choice but to put his best three guys on the first line. We're getting killed in the puck possession battle, which is unusual because that's one of the reasons Mantha was brought here. But Hey, look, know, we'll if, they win, if they win 2-1 to one or 3-2 tonight, all that stats right. and data and puck possession, blah, 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 it don't mean nothing. No. Just win the game. It's going to be seven, and it will probably come down to somebody who's not a major star like Joel Ward was in 2012 to uh, score the winning goal. Or if it's for Boston, someone, again, not a major star. That's what this contest is already looking like. So we'll see. But as I tell people, there's a strange calm that comes over me on the playoffs now because no matter what happens, yes, of course, I'd like to see my team hoist the cup again. But now that they've won the Stanley Cup, meh, if we go out in the first round again, I'll be angry. Oh, but that's I'll be terrible. Quickly. Come on, man. Got to go for two here. Oh, no, I want to. I'm just saying now that they have one, I don't get as angry as I used to when the Caps would flame out in the first or second round. Yeah, second I mean, round. I've been the same way since 94 with the Rangers. Yeah. But you got yeah. one in your and life. Prior to that, and prior to that, Rob, it was 70 years. Or no, it was 40 years, obviously. So I think combined between now yeah, it's 70 years, one cup. So, yeah, uh, I'm relaxed. Give me a break. That's 70 years. It's only been three. Three? I can count. Three years. Now, ask me again in 10 years and we're still doing this show. 
then I'll be rageful and bitter again. If I can remember my name. Yes, well, we will be live from the Bellagio. By we'll that. be live from Ingleside. Yes. <laughs> so uh, get a, get your quick take on the rest of the series here. Uh, the Icelanders here and the Penguins. Uh, t- series tied 1-1. Split there in Pittsburgh. It goes, comes back here to Long Island now. Who do you got in that series, buddy? Oh, so hard to say. I, it's it's hard for me to root. Not root. It's hard for me to pick against the Pens anytime during the playoffs, especially with that run they made to win the East at the end of the season. There, I don't know how many games. I'm bad at picking the number of games unless it's a total mismatch in which it's a four or five game win. But I look at all these. Quite frankly, except for the Florida-Tampa one and possibly uh, Toronto and Montreal, I look at all of these to be six or seven. All of them? Mm-hmm. Every series? Mm-hmm. Carolina and Nashville. And here's why. And here's why going I would seven? say that. Hmm? You think Carolina and Nashville is going seven games? Six or seven. Really? You think Florida down 2 nothing? No, no, I champs. said except, except oh, I'm sorry. Florida, I apologize. Tampa Bay, and possibly Edmonton. Oh, I was getting fired I'm sorry. up there. Toronto and Montreal. Edmonton no. and Winnipeg, they haven't even played yet. No, no. You think it's going I said, seven? I said six or seven. I'm. If you would let me finish before the anger comes pouring out of your eyes. These two, all these first-round series are between teams that have played each other several times or they've spent the entire season, literally, playing games within their division. They're familiar with each other. They're all beaten up, probably by each other. So it evens out things a lot. Unless one team is completely and utterly much more powerful than the other one, I see these being just an extension of the regular season because of that kind of familiarity. You've only had to plan against for six or seven other teams. And if these coaches are earning their money, then they should be prepared to match every move the other coach makes. You've now, you're now seeing the same team for the 10th, 11th, whatever time it is. Again, in the Florida-Tampa series, I don't see that getting past, you know, five games. Hey, Panthers won the next game, turns it all around. Perhaps. Perhaps. We'll see. But I just that's why I'm picking most of them. Normally I wouldn't do that, but this is an odd year. Well, it's the first round. First round is always a lot of fun. So I think these are all great matchups. I mean, it's it's been a um, a very good hockey season, all yeah. things considered. I'm I'm the fact that the playoffs are here right now. Obviously, the greatest playoffs to watch here and the hardest trophy to win. When we get past this, and now with you know everything's somewhat coming back to normal here, kind of gets you excited for next year and the Kraken coming in and the draft and. And back to a normal schedule and people back in the stands. I don't know if you caught the clip from the Carolina game last night, but that was amazing. Full capacity, and they were going nuts down there. Uh, it's just, to me, you know, me and you doing a sports show here, primarily through the whole COVID thing, and with no fans, you know, uh, just to kind of look and see that was just like, wow. It's awesome, and it just makes you, I think, no matter what kind of sports you're into, um, it makes you feel pretty good. Yeah, it's it's. You're it's right. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. What are you, what exactly are you apologizing for? Well, you said in the beginning you were just sorry about your your the way you're picking these teams. You're oh. Just sorry. Oh, I I'd already forgotten. You can listen back later. Oh, I sure will. 
That's what I, I – I get a nice glass of Sound wine. Like I Chicago, sit in a bubble bath and I listen to the show. Hold on a second. There's never a bad time to throw some Chicago on the show. No. Pizza Terror, man. So any of these let's, teams could be the lucky one. Let's let it sink in. All right. Here we go. We love that, man. Brings us back. We're old men. 80s. Listen to an easy listening radio station in the car. A little yacht ride. Where they're, they're old girlfriends, you know? After a oh, breakup. See, here's, here's where the song comes goes off. Here the we go. See, it's like the dynamics and the buildup of the This 80s the movie montage ending. Yes! <laughs> Picture Karate Kid in the background. Yeah. Woo! Here we go. See? Yeah, let's rock, everybody. See, kids today, they wouldn't see that coming. They wouldn't see that turn. Hey, 75 degrees in the big city. <laughs> Stay tuned for news with Paul Cuthbert coming up on WBUD. Uh, there you go. So anyway, look, this is uh, this is good stuff. Uh, great to see the uh, the North Division playoffs start tonight. Looking forward to the Oilers and the Jets, the Leafs and the Habs. is going to be great. And you brought that up at the beginning. Yes, it's been that long since uh, those two franchises. And I know at first it was like they were not going to have any fans in the stands. I don't think Toronto's going to be allowed to have anybody. I think Montreal, they're going to let like 2,500 people into the building because Ontario's just had it really bad up there as far as COVID and everything else. So um, that was, to me, the big shame. You know, you have these two storied franchises, these two diehard, rabid fan bases in Toronto and Montreal. First time they're playing each other in decades and no fans in the building. How can that happen? The timing is yeah. just terrible. You just know? to get back to what you were saying about that is you're right. No matter what sport you like or don't like, when you see playoff crowds, when you see enthusiastic crowds, I mean, I told you my favorite rendition of the national anthem is from the 91 NHL All-Star game at, at old Chicago Stadium. Whether you like hockey or not, doesn't matter. Just hearing this is right after, at the, right after the Gulf Bowl? War. No, right after the Gulf War had started. And the fans, you couldn't hear the person performing the anthem because the fans were drowning out the singer. And then they unfurled a huge flag at the end. It's It still still gives me a chill. Yep. So Magic you're right. Fans, fans do add to the entertainment for those, as weird as this sounds, for the other fans. So if you're watching a game, part of the entertainment, I suppose, during the playoffs is the crowd. Yeah, and the NHL's lucking out. You know, they did this COVID season, and now the playoffs are in. And like I said, you got fans in the building. They're making some money back, and it, it adds to the uh, – this is when you want fans back in the building for the playoffs. Right. So obviously, And the NHL in, has done everything right, and so it's not surprising they're doing this. Well, all of us here in New York might have a little issue with that. But okay, anyway. Maybe not. I not everything right. They have a giant asterisk, a $250,000 asterisk <laughs> as the NHL went – you know, elbows deep into the New York Rangers organization Whew. over this whole Tom Wilson bread man uh, fiasco, which I'm sorry. The one thing I was upset about missing last week is I wanted to roll up my sleeves and really just cross check the NHL for headhunting the poor New York Rangers. Oh, yeah. Right. Very poor New York Rangers. Well, look, as far as the league, the playoffs, everything else, uh, it's great. And I am looking forward to, obviously, everything getting back to normal here with uh, how we're doing better. We're here in this country with vaccines and the, the cases coming down, everybody getting back to somewhat of a normal life. And for us in sports who've been covering this, um, it's going to be great. It's going to be weird. Like I said, um, 
covering the game, talking about all the games and all the sports again with fans in the building. Because I, I don't know how you feel, but it's 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 weird to feel weird seeing people <laughs> in the stands. You know, no, it doesn't feel weird. I just it's exciting, and I don't even care anymore. When I first started, seeing but you understand what I'm back, saying? It shouldn't feel weird. No, it's it great that it's uh, it's great that no, people buy them. It back shouldn't the feel weird. It's awesome. And what, what's changed for me is when I first started seeing fans trickling back into arenas, I was concerned that you know fans were violating the rules about being too close, not wearing masks, and so on and so forth. Now I don't care. Now I'm just happy to see people with or without a mask. It's just let's you know crawl out of this hole that we've been in for the last 15 plus months and try to achieve some normalcy, please. Yes. You, um, at least until the next, yeah, you know, until the next flu. Till, till, uh, you know, do you do you want to take a moment to eulogize old David Quinn? Well, I told you that so. You called on this show months ago that he was going to be fired after like the eighth game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I don't think nobody saw what was uh, going to happen that fateful Monday night against your Washington Capitals and Tom Wilson. It actually flipped an entire organization. Upside down. You know, granted, I think you know, I'm still not to pop on this and extend too long. As far as the Rangers are concerned, me being a Ranger fan, I'm still not over Davidson and Gorton being fired. And I would love the two of them to get hired up in Buffalo and then hire David Quinn. <laughs> there <laughs> you go. Just because of New York, I mean, what the hell, it would be great, you know, and then maybe keep Eichel and the whole thing. And uh, whatever. Look, there's some, you know, they, there's no doubt they had non-disclosures. Uh, Gorton and Davidson's statements were very, you know, bland, straightforward, corporate stuff, blah, blah, blah. One day the books will come out. Who knows what happens? David Quinn, to me, like I said, if you're firing those two guys, there was no way in hell Quinn was staying. No matter what Drury's relationship used to be with him because they went out of their way to say the uh, ownership Dolan there wasn't happy with the way the hockey was moving forward, what was going on in the ice, the culture, and everything else. Well, obviously, your coaches were obviously responsible for that. He's a big part of it. So, look, they did the, they did the, I guess, the quote-unquote okay thing. They let him coach the last couple of games, finish it out. A couple of days later, boom, pack your bags, and they let everybody go. This is a clean slate. So, um, now we just have to wait and see. There's going to be a good head coach behind the bench for the New York Rangers, and whoever comes in here has has a very very talented team. And it's an attractive job, that's for sure. Yeah. So the further they get away from this thing, you know, and I think for the most part, like I said, I I I know I speak for thousands of Ranger fans about JD and Gordon. I think they would have fixed things. I think Quinn would have still been fired, but I think JD and Gordon would have fixed everything else. Something happened, which we don't know yet, that. Cross Dolan. I can't think it's just a hockey operation thing because they had done a phenomenal job. If the Rangers were in any other division in the league this year, they would have been in the playoffs. But because they were in the East, uh, you know, it depends, the Owls, Bruins, and the Caps, they didn't get in. But they probably would have They would have been in the playoffs in like three of the other divisions. So they didn't do a bad job, and they had a lot of crap that they had to deal with. Blah, blah, blah. But it's over. We move on. I'm going to need some time. Now I have to play <laughs> Chicago again. Who, who do you think is uh, is going to replace him? Who's coming in to coach? Do you have a I guess? I don't know. I mean, they, they, they've interviewed Tockett. They've interviewed Gallant. You know, I'd be shocked if they bring Torts back. No. I don't know anybody that likes the Rangers that wants that scenario to happen. No, there's a, I, I, would, I would be okay with it. I, I, you know, for me, I think the problem is, is that they're 
the players might have issues with it. Like, I think Panarin came to New York to get, he got out of, he left Columbus to get away from Tortorella. So I don't, right. I don't think Torts is going to come back to coach Panarin because I don't think Panarin's going to want that. You know, I firmly believe that the reason they fired Torch years ago was because Hank Lundquist went into the office and says, he's got to go. Right. Because I think, you know, Hank was the, the pillar of the franchise back then. And I think he had enough of um, basically, you know, not getting any offensive support from, you know, on the Torch teams, you yep. know. I'll, I'll tell you who doesn't want Torch back, and I, I have to thank my good friend Pat for sending me this clip. Larry Brooks certainly doesn't want yeah, I see. You know, I love Brooksy. Torch to come back. But that, I, mean, I look, saw that that exchange between yeah. Torch and Brooks was classic. Yeah, Brooksy's he's definitely turned off a few people, uh, but Brooks is okay with me, and that's just part of the job, man. He's just doing his job. Brooksy's no, old not, school, not, man. Not a shot against Brooks. I yeah. just think I'm just saying he's he's a guy who definitely doesn't want Torch back. Although for those of us that like you know comedy in our sports. It would be nice to see those two. Brooksy would take welcome him back. You know, those guys, you know, I was lucky enough to have them on my shows there. Brooksy and um, um, uh, Stapleton, uh, Stevenson, I should say, um, with Newsday, um, uh, Carpaniello over at uh, The Athletic, and Brooksy with The Post. I had them on my Rangers show. And all those guys, they can't, they, they've missed being in the locker rooms. They've missed the scrums, this virtual stuff. They hate it, you know? So, Brooksy would welcome that. Brooksy's a New Yorker, man. He's not afraid of anybody. And look, anyone that does this for a living, that sits in, in, in locker rooms after games with microphones right up to the coach's face, yeah. unless it's your first day on the job, you've been doing this long enough, you're used to it. Your skin, if you don't have a thick skin, you shouldn't be a reporter. Because you know that you're asking questions of coaches and players who've been asked the same fucking question time and time again, and once in a while they're going to pop off on you. And you just got to say, okay. And the coaches That's are the guys the you got to get the, the, the coaches are the guys you got to get the juice from because the players follow a standard. Oh right. yeah, we, we got to do good. You know, we followed the plan. Yeah, we got in there. It was humped in. Taking it day by day. Taking yeah. it day by yeah. It's it's all the same <laughs> banter. They're not allowed to go off that script, right. you know. But coaches, yeah, they you know, and they look. You look at all the sports now, right? There's pre, there's post practices, there's pre practice conferences, there's pre game and post game and stuff. I mean, I don't know about you, and I know they get paid a lot of money, but, man, after, like, managing a nine-inning baseball game in the playoffs and say it goes into 12, 14 innings or something like that, and then after that, say you lose. Then you got to go downstairs and you got to answer questions from people. It's like, oh. No, I know. Even when, even when you win and you just want yeah. to get the hell out of Dodge. And they've already got to answer the ballpark all day. Yep. It's a long day, man. So. It sure is. But, again, no sympathy, too much sympathy. They get paid very well to do that. But, anyway, uh, like I said, Quinn expected him to get fired, and we'll see what happens here in the next couple months, I, you know, whether the Rangers get it done before the expansion draft and everything else. Uh, I'm sure they will. Uh, but, man, it's uh, it's been a wild ride here in New York, and, and we'll just see what happens. And uh, blah 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 Yep, exactly. Blah-bitty, Speaking blah-bitty, of blah 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 blah, 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 blah how about these NBA playoffs, babies? And the playing games. Friend. How about them? How about them? We so got a ring to the hardwood. The uh, the NBA playoffs. I'm sorry. Excuse me. The postseason. Yes. Playoffs don't start till after the play-in games. That's right. If you want to be technical. So the postseason began yesterday with the Pacers and the Hornets, the number nine and ten seeds in the Eastern Conference, and the Celtics and Wizards the seven and eight seeds playing. Now, the way it works, once again, for those that did not follow along with my algebraic 
formulas. That's me. On how the postseason works. The seven and eight <laughs> seeds. So just because, well, let me go back one more notch. The top six seeds in each conference, they're in the playoffs. That's their seeding. They're done. They're good. They start Saturday. The seven and eight and the nine and ten are only guaranteed a chance to be in the playoffs. They're in the postseason with a chance to go to the playoffs. The seven and eight seed play each other. The winner of that game becomes the seventh seed. Boom, locked in. The loser of that game, in this case in the East, the Wizards, the Western version of that starts tonight, or has started already with uh, San Antonio and Memphis. More on that in a moment. So the loser of the seven eight game plays the winner of the nine and ten game. So if you lose the nine and ten game, you're out. You're done. Have a nice summer. So tomorrow night, the Wizards will play the Pacers for the right to claim the number eight seed and take on the Philadelphia 76ers. Do they get a batter? In the East. Uh, If it's Washington that wins, they probably will put up a banner for that, considering (laughs) how thin the success has been around here. But here's the thing, and I think I I go back and forth in this. I think the play-in game, just like the one-card, one-card, the one-game wild-card game in baseball, makes – you're already piquing people's interest right off the bat, and you hook them for the rest of the playoffs. I like what they do in baseball with the one-game winner-take-all. I like it here. Here's what I don't like, though, and I, the NBA has got to be kicking itself. On the West, the 7-8 game, and if you had said this three or four years ago, you would have thought that I was you know, just jerking your chain. The Lakers and the Warriors, Steph Curry versus LeBron James. Former MVP, most likely this year's MVP, and Steph Curry. You got the most exciting game of the playoffs until you get to the finals tonight at 10 o'clock Western time, West Coast time. LeBron versus Steph, one game take all. The loser of that game will not be out of the playoffs, but they have to win to not be eliminated. So, again... The most exciting game of your playoffs is this one-game playoff tonight at 10 o'clock West Coast time. And I understand not everybody lives on the East Coast. But if you're the NBA, you know that this is a matchup that even the most casual fan is going to watch. I realize it's not a one-game, you know, take-all sort of experience. But it is for the right not to have to face the top seed Utah Jazz. And it's got the star power in it. It's got huge star power. So most people live at least in the time zone, you know, central and toward the east, why not start at 9 o'clock? Why not start at 8 o'clock? If you really want to watch the game out west, starts at 5 o'clock, you'll figure out a way to be there. After all, it is LeBron versus Steph Curry. So having it on at 10 o'clock at night when most of the country will be like, "Ah, I want to watch it, but I don't want to go to bed at 1 a.m. the way these playoff games drag on with all the stoppages at the end. Is Mr. Cuning going to watch this game tonight? No, Mr. Cuny will be in a coma by that time. The game will be watching me. And then on top of that, you have the other intrigue right now, allegedly. There's nothing alleged about it. The Clippers, their last 10 games, uh, went out of their way to lose as many of those as possible, including resting most of their starters the last two games, just to avoid playing the Lakers, except in the Western Conference Finals. The Clippers settle in at the number four seed. So the only way, again, they would play the Lakers – would be in the Western Conference Finals. Now, I, you know, you want to rest players because your playoff seed is set, fine. 
knock yourselves out. I mean, I realize you play in a team with Kawhi Leonard, who's Mr. Load Management. But if you tank, or as Brian Windhorst call it, called it, it's not. there's got to be another word for tanking. He called it taking a dive. If you're going to take a dive like that, then let's say you do meet up with the Lakers. The Lakers already are up one nothing because they've already taken up residence in all the heads of the Clippers that they had to go out of their way to avoid playing the Lakers. If you're the Lakers, you're like, great. We come into the seven-game series already up one to nothing. So clearly, that seems like a miscalculation on the part of the Clippers. And they can't blame Doc Rivers this time. He's in Philadelphia with, oh, yeah, the number one seed in the East. Crazy stuff, man. An honorable mention, dope of the week early to the entire Clippers organization (laughs) for doing that. Damn Clippers. The the playoffs in the West, your top three seeds, you know, Utah and Phoenix and Denver, it's not exactly overwhelming. And if you had said the top three seeds wouldn't have included the Lakers or the Clippers, nobody going into this season would have believed you. Utah has just been steady. I have no idea if they're in a playoff series, if they have what it takes to make it to the NBA Finals. The East um, is much more interesting. I know people in your neck of the woods are happy. The Knicks. Yeah, baby, we're back. Get out of here. Led by, you know, Julius Randle and one of the best coaches. We got the Knicks and the Nets, baby. Brooklyn and New York. It's all good, baby. I mean, as somebody pointed out, you could see this year. This year, imagine the two finals, the two Eastern Conference and the Western Conference finals. You could have the city championship of New York, Brooklyn and New York, and the city championship of of Los Angeles, the Clippers and the Lakers. Can you imagine? What would New York do with itself if the Nets and the Knicks were in the finals? It would be awesome. be awesome. It would be. It doesn't matter. Just get us there. Same thing like when when we had the subway series between the Mets and the Yanks. It didn't matter. Just get there so we can just live, say, I was there. That's all. I just want to put my hand up and say, I was there. Let me ask you, as a New Yorker, during the the Subway series, are the the loyalties so entrenched that nobody can be happy that a New York team is going to win? Because the way you described it, the way you described the NBA, you said everyone will be happy because it's New York, Knicks and, you know, Nets. Just like the Subway Series, but I can't imagine Mets different fans amount being of passion. Happy. Yeah, it'll be a different amount of passion. I mean, the Mets and the Yankees was brutal. I mean, you remember Valentine? That's what I'm saying. I, I just, Piazza. I can't imagine it was just it people was in just, New York saying, "Well, I'm just happy a New York team's going to win." No, no. I mean, look. I think all of us as New Yorkers, we did. We just love the fact that we got the Subway Series for the World Series, and then all of us, obviously, as Yankee fans, it was fantastic. I mean, it was just it was just great theater. It was. Great storyline. Just want it. Nets. I think the Nets and Knicks, because the Knicks are more of a, a blue collar. Um, you know, they work their way in here, whereas the Nets have all the big stars, right? All the money. So if that yeah. did happen, it would be, you know, I think you'd have probably more people, I, uh, the bulk of New York, and that's. Most likely just because the Knicks have obviously been around here a lot longer. You have to remember that the Nets played in Jersey for, you know, decades. So, um, but now that they're in Brooklyn and everything else. But Brooklyn has this, you know, it's all the big rich stars that came in, the free agents and everything else. Where New York is more of, you know, it's a, you know, more of a, you know, organizational grown team here. 
Um, they've exceeded expectations. Uh, they're trying to kind of have a rebirth here. I mean, the Knicks have just been crap. It's it's years. such a role reversal because the Knicks yeah. are usually the team with the glitz and the glamour and the outsized expectations, and the Nets have always been that little engine that could have a couple good years here and there, but mostly living in the shadow of the Knicks. But now you, it's it's now you know Brooklyn is the glamorous team. Brooklyn has all the big stars. Brooklyn has all the expectations, and New York's just quietly getting it done. And that's a reflection, I think, of their coach, Tom Thibodeau. It's also, he's that kind of a grinding, blue-collar, lunch-pail, defensive-oriented coach, uh, like Riley without the nice suits and the slick-back hair. It's also a big – you know, you look at how the – we talked about this on so many episodes here on the show. It's just the money in the game, right? The mon- How money has changed all the leagues, and primarily so in, in Major League Baseball and football and basketball because the contracts are huge. Hockey – is nowhere near it, even though those those guys are getting some good contracts. It's, I mean, Conor McDavid's $100 million contract up in Edmonton, what, five, that was five or six years ago, and whatever Ovi got 13 years ago, whatever the heck it is, you could count on your fingers how many, how many NHL guys got a $100 million contract, right? Where that's right. basically entry level for baseball players, you know what I'm right. saying, or or for a middle reliever or something like that. And you look at what LeBron, you look at the the salaries that these guys make in all the other sports. So, you know, now this is just modern NBA basketball, and this has happened where you've had Oklahoma get to the finals. You've had, you know, um, even Golden State and everything else. Where after we we grew up, you know, it was Detroit, it was Chicago, it was Boston. In the '90s, it was the Knicks, and then it was Miami Heat and all that other stuff. Um, and, and guys stayed with their teams for five. Orlando, you know, five or six year run. But in and definitely in the NBA, man. I mean, it's it's kind of you know. I mean, look at LeBron. He's he's bounced from team to team to team and won a championship with those teams. And it's all it's all based around money, where this guy can hop the short contract deals, this and that, and a lot now a lot of these guys look. That's what the Brooklyn Nets are. Uh, that's what some of the other you know teams in the NBA, as far as their star power and their money and everything is, um, you know, who's available and let's pull them all together and let's just take a run at it. And then it's just the also rands are just floating around. And yes, it is weird for the Knicks, but it's a it's a different salary cap kind of situation. It's a different money situation. It's different than what it was. And playing in, in, in the garden for the Knicks has, is not really the shiny, great thing that it used to be, especially in the 90s uh, with those great teams with um, you know, yeah, Ewing you know, and all those guys. So Kevin um, Durant said after he signed with Brooklyn, he said something which I know is a knife in the heart of all Knicks fans. He said playing for the Knicks just isn't cool anymore. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, he nailed it, that's man. That's exactly right. Yeah. He just That was a throwaway comment. By the way, speaking of Ovechkin and that contract, he signed that in 2008, after the 2008 season. I remember thinking, 13 years. 13 years, $124 million. That was unheard of. And now here we are. We're coming to the end of that contract. That 13-year contract, again, seemed like he was going to play for the Caps till the end of time. And now look, all of a sudden, hey, we're at the end of that 13-year contract. That's a bargain, by the way. Thirteen years, one hundred twenty-four million. But nobody was getting no. contracts like that in the NHL. Nobody. So one thing Ted did that was smart. He goes, "I don't want to lose this guy." Um, it's just hard to believe. It's Mark been Messier. Years. Mark Messier at the end there with the Rangers and stuff. That guy was trying to get the top pay for him. That is a guy who had won five, you know, six championships, right? 
was six championships with the Rangers, right? So he'd win five before that. He was trying to get six million dollars a year. Six million. That's an entry level contract now or a two or three year contract for a guy like Chris Kreider. For these other guys, young guys, two, three years into the league or whatever that is, five haven't won a damn thing. This guy had five rings and he's begging the garden. I think I'm on I think I deserve six million dollars. Could you imagine? The contract negotiation should have been this. He should have just pointed up into the rafters and said, You see that banner that says it's nineteen ninety four Stanley Cup champions? That's me. That's this how guy. bad the money was in, in hockey guy. because they couldn't keep Gretzky and Messier there. They were both making six million a year, I think it was. That was that was a bad mistake anyway, too. I mean it was great that having Gretzky here. Pre James but... Dolan. Now James Dolan never would let <sighs> that happen. It's one thing to say about him. He likes to spend money. He likes stars. He likes people that are his stars and his friends. But anyway, that's enough about, you know, we, right, we did hockey. Already. Let's see um, what's going on about everybody. So the, uh, the best Hall of Fame class, 2021. What are, what are your thoughts on that, buddy? Um, a lot of guys that, you know, some names that are not at all surprising. Paul Pierce, Chris Bosh, Chris Weber, uh, Rick Adelman, Jay Wright go in as coaches. Bill Russell, who's been in there forever, now goes in as a coach, which is, it's just odd to me that, as a side note, that once you get in, you can get in again in a different sort of capacity. Like Jerry West, player and GM, Bill Russell, coach and player. Anyway, and I like the Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame, because it's all basketball. There's, you don't have a pro basketball, college basketball. It's your accomplishments and achievements in basketball. But what, I, what stood out to me about this Hall of Fame class is Ben Wallace is going in. As a guy who's been defense first, points second, someone who I saw up close when he played, you know, here in Washington, um, the only player besides Dikembe Mutombo to win four Defensive Player of the Year awards, he averaged for his career 5.7 points, 9.6 rebounds, 1.3 steals, and two blocks. And that, you think, that can't be a Hall of Fame career. You look at it go, that's a guy who washes out of the league in five or six years, but... The only time he even averaged, he never even averaged double points for a season. The closest he got was 9.7 points, the year that the Pistons won the championship, by the way. Um, but he was a, def- a difference maker as a defender. He's a guy you root for, a guy who was undrafted, the first undrafted player to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Undrafted out of a school nobody had heard of. And watching him play, I mean, he was, you put him in the middle back when, you know, center, the center position meant something. You weren't going to score him. He might not get every rebound, but you're not going to get by him. And it wasn't, you know, seven foot nine. Yeah, he was, you know, six, eight, six, nine, somewhere in there. Um, and it's just, it's a great story. I mean, that's really all I have for you is a guy like Ben Wallace. You look at him over his career and you never say while he was playing, hey, this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer again. For only one of two players doing four NBA Defensive Players of the Year. He does have the championship, of which he was a vital part of that 2004 Pistons team. But you just you never think a guy like that, who doesn't have any flashy numbers, is going to get in the Hall of Fame. It's kind of nice. It's nice when somebody who does all the dirty work, a guy like a Dennis Rodman, except he was the anti-Rodman because he guy was like me on this show. Exactly. He was incredibly shy, like you. About himself. He wasn't, you know, um, all about me, me, me first. So that's all I have on the Hall of Fame. I just, I think it's great that a guy no, like it's a good pick. got in. It's a good point. You know? Good stuff. And uh, I'm um, with you there, man. I like seeing the uh, 
Those the hardworking guys that don't get all the glitz yeah. and the glam and the headlines and stuff like that get appreciated. They're still appreciated by the working men like us. Like us. It's just it's just funny to to see a guy. You remember him playing, and you think this guy Hall of Fame. Get out of here. But then you look back over his whole career and go, Yeah, okay, I can see that. You know, uh, it's just it's now as you watch sports, you, you're always thinking to yourself, because when we watch sports, you think Is this guy an all time great. Is he going to be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, and there are guys that you can peg and say, oh, this guy's going to walk into the Hall of Fame or skate into the Hall of Fame. Others, though. You look at him and go, there's no way. And then it turns out you're wrong. Good. So. We'll have him on the show. We'll have him on for dinner and drinks. Sure. Good stuff. Sure. We can we can we can kiss his ass some more. I like it. I like it. Um. Is it true, Marv Albert's going to retire? Yeah. It's true. And Speaking I, I of the Knicks. As a New Yorker, this one's got a sting. Uh, yeah, Marv Albert's calling it a career you know, I, you know, I don't, 55 I don't, years. What does that mean, it's got a sting? I mean, I'm it's going to be, be a loss for you. It's Voice. not a loss. Marv was great. Mm-hmm. Love Kenny, you know? Oh, Kenny's great. But, I mean... I'm all, I'm okay, okay, all right. All right. Let me ask you this: as as a New Yorker, see, I love doing a show with a New Yorker. So many things center around New York. Does he does does the name Marv Albert still have the same sway? Is he still, you know, residing in the hearts and minds it's of New sh- Yorkers hey, look, the way it, he used to? You talk about like you know the Me Too movement and all that other stuff, and you talk about what he went through and all that stuff that came out. I mean that. It wasn't the same after that. And and I, I'm only speaking for myself. Right. So maybe that's why I react that way. It's like, you know, look, do I respect him as a, 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 a sports broadcaster and some of the great calls he had? And like I said, growing up with the Knicks in the 90s and all that stuff and him being a part of that. Uh, it was a great broadcasting crew back then. Uh, Walt Frazier. And um, I, I'm, I can't remember the other uh, broadcaster for the, uh, the the Knicks who actually uh, continued on for Marv with that. And I think he's actually going to the Hall of Fame, basketball Hall of Fame. You mean Breen? Yeah, Mike Breen. Fantastic. Breen. One of the best. He is fantastic. Yeah, and, and I remember as a, you know, growing up in my 20s there when Breen started on WFAN and then he got the gig and all that other stuff. So, um, but that that was the, you know, I remember that, that transition there when Albert went through that. And unfortunately, you know, um, to certain people, and I guess maybe more or less that I was young then, I was like, oh, man, you know, he's he's caught up in all this bullshit, and it's just not the same anymore. And he was he was kind of ran out of town, you know what I'm saying, or ran underground there for a while. And then he uh, he comes back, and what, he's been working for TNT and all that other stuff yep. for, throughout the years. And, and obviously, like I said, we love Kenny. Kenny doing hockey and the Rangers and the Giants and stuff like that. And, and don't forget I, I don't about at football, Kenny Albert does football. He's very yeah, good. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, th- I want to tell you this. I don't. I don't have any ill will towards Marv Albert, and you know, respect him and stuff like that. But I, I think what you were asking there before, and maybe that's why I, I was reacting like, "Hey, hey, I'm going to be all right. I'm not going to lose any sleep over this," is because you know, it is what it is. I, I there's, I don't know. I love sports broadcasters. There's certain guys that you grow up with in the, in the game and everything else. Um, you know, a guy like Vince Scully probably transcends a little more for me. Um, you know, I used to love Phil Rizzuto on the Yankees. Uh, I used to love, um, oh, my God, I used to love the old Mets announcers there. Bob Murray, man, he was one of the best on the radio. You know, so 
I, 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 I respect and love him, those voices as far as guys growing up with and their great memories. Marv always, you know, he did the Rangers too there for a while uh, and definitely uh, historic the Knicks. But I guess as I got older and then that whole thing went on and, and Marv kind of was kind of pushed out of everything, um, it, I guess it's not really affecting me as much as, you know, you, you're kind of portraying there for New Yorkers. Maybe more so for diehard Knicks fan. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm not a diehard Knicks fan, you know, and, and I didn't have my ear glued to the radio years ago, um, you know, to all the games and stuff like that. But um, long story short, look, love Marv, respect him. He was such a great, significant voice here, as there have been so many great voices to come out of New York and all the great cities across the country. Um, but, um, you know, I, you know, if he gets in, that's great. Hopefully he gets in. I don't, I don't, is, is, have you heard anything about his past or anything like that going to affect this? Affects. What, getting into the Hall of Fame? Yeah. I think he's is he already in the Hall of Fame? I don't even know if he is or not. Um, I was going to say, and, and I hope it doesn't. And for those that aren't, we're, are not aware of what we're talking about, in 97, NBC, I'm not even aware of it because you were yeah. talking about him retiring, and I my mind flipped back to the fact that because yeah. we were talking about the Hall of Fame, and I've screwed it, everything up here. No, but, you've um, screwed nothing up. In 1997, Marv Albert was fired by NBC after pleading guilty, I believe, in the state of Virginia, the fine state of Virginia, uh, pleaded guilty to when he was accused by a woman um, of he accused him of biting her on the back more than a dozen times and forcing her to have oral see, sex. Now, why did you have to do? Why see now? See now? See so people why. because we, now, we now you're reminding me why. Now you're reminding me why. Right. I you was keep trying to block that to out it. of my head, and you just you, brought it all back. Right. Well, just in the, in, the, in the full disclosure, you were referring to it, so I wanted to bring people up to speed. And what I was going to say is the announcers that you mentioned, the guys that you really liked are all New York, except for Vince Scully. They're all New York team broadcasters. And yes, Marv Albert is in the national. I keep calling him Albert like he's Herb Albert. Marv Albert is in the national consciousness, but he was a New Yorker first. And yeah. by the way, at a young age, 23 years old when he got the Knicks gig, 25 when he did the Rangers. So it was like the Sinatra sports, yeah. baby, sports so, announcing. You know, everybody is sad to see him go, but I would just figure that people, he's a New Yorker first, a nationwide broadcaster second. That's why I asked him. Perhaps sting was the wrong word to use. Just was it something that you, that gave you a little more pause or do you, or will you not even notice that he's gone because he is such a big part of the national broadcasting scene. Like there was a guy here that used to do Redskins games named Frank Herzog. Nobody really knows who he is outside the D.C. market, but he was on all the big calls. All the Super Bowl calls were made by Frank Herzog. And when he left and it was replaced by just what a total gas bag his replacement Larry Michael was or is. He's not dead as far as I know. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was hard to take. But outside of Washington, D.C., out of outside this market and anyone else who listened to the radio broadcasts around the country, we were like, meh, whatever. So I was wondering, you know, whatever, whether Marv still held that same sort of appeal for New Yorkers or if it was just, nah, it was time to go. I wouldn't say because... for all New Yorkers, buddy. I wouldn't say. Maybe maybe for uh, diehard basketball fans, NBA fans, and Knicks fans, I would say, yeah, you'd, have, you'd probably have to talk to them. I'm probably not the guy to be talking right. about because now, like I said, I was, you, you brought back the reason why I had blocked it all out. <laughs> yeah. And I know for guys – in his class, uh, course, you know, Vin Scully and Al Michaels and Marv, you have to wonder, you know, Brent they, Musburger, they, baby, Brent Musburger, 
who I, I love. But of these guys, to me, the answer is no. But some have accused Al Michaels and certainly Vin Scully of losing it a little bit. I mean, how can you not after you know, 40, 50, 60 years of broadcasting? It's only natural. But I don't think Marv – I don't think it was time to go. I don't think it's time for Al Michaels to go. I don't think it's time for Musburger to go. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe they're just not, you know, everyone's cup of tea to the new generation of sports fans that are coming up. I don't know. I don't think Marv is retiring because he should retire. I still think he's got it. I still think he has a distinct voice. And, you know, I'm sorry to see him go. Just because personalities, broadcasting personalities, the play-by-play people, they don't transcend their own teams the way that the ones that we just mentioned did. Well, on that note, I, 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 I couldn't really, I mean, I know, you know, a couple of the top guys in on ESPN because you, you know, you like the college football broadcasting and stuff like that. And a couple of key, maybe key signature guys that call the game. There's not too many guys that I can sit around here and, and ring off as far as guys that stand out for me. Look, I'm more of a hockey guy, so I can, I can sit here and, and if I sit back and think about it long enough, I'll give you all the voices in hockey of certain, you know, guys who call the games, you know, whether it's Mark Moser and, and uh, you know, in, in Denver and stuff and calling the Avalanche or uh, even um, watch McCall does a fantastic job down in Florida down there. Uh, Randy Moeller. I mean, you can go around Ray Ferraro and uh, all these guys. Who, you know, and Ferraro just got hard uh, to do um, uh, ESPN. On ESPN with yeah, so. So, like, I'm more of a hockey guy. So, I guess, and in, in maybe to wrap this whole Marv Albert retiring thing, you know, obviously, yes, I'm a New Yorker, very familiar with him. And, again, with the Knicks, when I was vested into that, that Knicks team in the 90s and the runs and everything else, um, it was more of, uh, I was in tune with that. If you So, if you ask the 22, 23-year-old Paul Cuthbert, yeah. But now, you know, I, I, I to be honest with you, I was like, oh, Mars really he's still working. Well, that's great. Right. That's that's part of the re- that's probably why he retired because many people were like, Marv Albert is still working? Didn't he get fired twenty years ago? Is he working for the Pelicans okay. down in Nolans? I mean, what's going on down there? By the way, did you are you any thoughts? Oh, no, you know, we'll save this for next week. That's another announcing question, but I can save it for next week. All right, let's save it for next week. What There's about- a tease, ladies and gentlemen. All right, cool. Yeah, come back. Rob's back, so you gotta come back. Um Something about beef. Oh, yeah. Um, well, we could do a whole sports honchos just on this. Um, Kwame Brown, the story of Kwame Brown, the <laughs> number one draft pick by the Washington Wizards in 2001, whose career was, shall we say. Washington Wizards talk here on the honchos. Just, no, it's just like, I wish it had something to do with the Washington Wizards. Basically, there was a show. Uh, a podcast, Stephen Jackson, uh, Matt Barnes, former players, podcast called All the Smoke. And they had uh, Jeannie Buss was on and Gilbert Arenas was on the podcast. And they're talking all things Lakers. And then um, Arenas and others start talking about Kwame Brown. And look, a lot's happened with Kwame Brown is being drafted by Michael Jordan, number one, number one, when Jordan was running the Wizards and the abuse he took in practice and Jordan making him cry and disagreements and gaining weight, and losing weight. It just, there's a whole lot of stuff that's happened. That's all, you know, Washington DC mythology. Um, is but he was such a thing. <laughs> what? Is there such a thing as Washington DC mythology? Sports mythology. Yes. 
It's most of it is bad, especially in the last you know, 25 years or so. But but anyway, he he, they were not saying anything that was fundamentally untrue. Maybe you put a little bit of spice into it, but they were just recounting the rough start to his career and the fact that he kind of never went anywhere. Just played a long time, but mostly anonymously. Um, he then, in a hour long. YouTube video and then another video on Instagram just went to town on Gilbert Arenas, on Matt Barnes, on Stephen Jackson, on Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless. They don't even work together anymore. Just tearing everybody a new asshole, saying things that you have to listen to the video. Also, there's a lot of things he says that as a middle-aged suburban white guy i don't feel comfortable saying like a lot of very liberal use of the n-word which even i wouldn't even repeat as somebody else's quote on a podcast you have to listen to it the anger now this is a guy who never raised his voice at least publicly during the whole time he played certainly not in that very rough first year and it was a lot of fish out of water stories adjusting to living on his own as a 19 year old his dad coming out of the woodwork after being in jail for so many years and, and, and finding out that his son is the number one pick in the draft and then trying to forge a relationship with him. It was completely transparent. So a lot oh, has gone stuff. on there. That's but, some Bugs Bunny stuff right there. Yeah, you have to. It's just what he did, his over-the-top scorched-earth response. So uh, let me read a couple of the things that I can read without you know losing my license to use. Uh, okay, so he said this about... First, I think this, these are snippets from the video. I think you guys remember it was an hour long. Otherwise, we would have played it for you on the honchos. I think you need <laughs> you guys need to focus and channel that energy to some real problems. Brown said in his initial response video. I like that initial response video. It was almost as long as the podcast. And Stephen Jackson, maybe you can put that motherfucking blunt out what? and pull your pull your pants up on your ass and put that rag down, and act like a grown Whoa. ass man instead of a little ass boy. Uh, he also urged Matt Barnes to get emotional help. And then he said something about Gilbert Arenas. You are the right-hand arm of them white boys, and then the rest I can't actually repeat. Um, let's see. Then he went on to attack Stephen A. Smith, saying, Stephen A., you bald forehead. A bald joke. So difficult to come up with. Thinking you tough, talking about, oh, they can come see me. Well, meet me in Seattle where you can have mutual combat. It'll look like you had a toupee on the front of your head. And then he said to Skip Bayless, who I don't know if Skip Bayless was, uh, I don't know, I don't know how, how Skip Bayless was part of all of this. But he said, Skip Bayless, thanks for the pass, I guess. I ain't getting no pass from your co-host when you was letting this punk motherfucker talk about a teenager. <laughs> I had to endure you talking about my mama's son like that, bitch. So... He's mad at Skip Bayless because Stephen A. Smith said some negative things about him, and Skip Bayless didn't stop him. So it's just and it's just on and on. Michael Jordan is involved. It's just what it can looked you, like can to you me. Say a couple more things again, like you just said. No, I got. Come I got on, nothing. please. No, I can't. Come on, come on. Um, want me to say bitch ass motherfucker? Yeah, go, go, go. Oh, hold on. Let me. Now I have to get the quotes again. I didn't realize I'd have musical accompaniment. Gotta have some LL going on here. Come on. Let's go back to what he said about Steven Jackson. 
Steven Jackson, maybe you can put that motherfucking blunt out yeah. and pull your pants up on your ass and put that yeah. rag down, act like a grown-ass man Woo. instead of a little-ass boy. And then he said about Gilbert Arenas, you're the right-hand arm of them white boys. And I can't say the rest of it. Uh, Stephen A., you bald forehead, thinking you tough talking about, oh, they can come see me. Well, meet me in Seattle where you can have mutual combat. It looked Woo! like you had a toupee in the front of your head. And finally, Skip Bayless, thanks for the pass, I guess. I ain't getting past with your co-host when you was letting this punk motherfucker talk about a <laughs> talk about a teenager. I had to endure you talking about my mama's son like that, bitch. So anyway. Holla at your boy, Mr. Cutie! Uh, yeah. So that's, so, as I said, he went decided to attack pretty Some much anger, everybody. baby! Pretty much everybody uh, that he could think of. So, yeah. Love it. That that's all great. I got for you. That was awesome, I brother. Love- Look at me. That's terrible. I just called you brother. That's Thank you. I, I feel so dirty. Yeah, we are. Uh, that's just poor taste by us. Sorry. We apologize to everybody listening. That was the poor taste section of the hot shows right there. But it's LL, baby. Come on. L.A., man. L.L., baby. I said L.A. Ugh. Getting old. See, that's why I shouldn't. So white guys shouldn't play rap. That's just, we shouldn't do it. It's just not us. Not real. It's not. You know. And we try to keep it real here on the shows. We do try and keep it real. (laughs) Here on the shows of the Han variety. Should have played some. What was it? The kid who sang "Ice Size Baby." That's probably more our style. Right? Oh, good old Robbie Van Winkle, otherwise known as Vanilla Ice. Yes. All right, buddy. Um, let's sip from the uh, the the hardwood here, and not that the diamonds here. Um, so Paul Holtz is a Dodger. How you feeling about that? I'm, um, you know, I'm glad he's working. I'm glad he's well, he's coming home. See, that's well said. Not most people will say that. I'm glad he's working. It's. I don't lose any sleep over the fact that he's where he's working or not. I, if he if he wants to play, let him play. I just. But he's got to accept the fact that if he doesn't have the skills and a team determines that he's not going to be able to help him, it's time to go. And I know it's hard for us to say, or it's easy for us to say it's time for someone else to go. But hey, if the Dodgers want to sign him and he's working and he can be productive, it's you know, when you can do what you want to do and still get paid to do it. And somebody will, will let you do what you want to do. Well, guy gesund. Nice. Go Albert Pujols in L.A. Uh, a little walk across the street from the Angels yeah. to the Dodgers. One and it'll be nice if the Dodgers win it all again to see him uh, win another ring. All right. Speaking of California baseball, well, here's uh, <laughs> yeah. Is uh, Oakland going to leave? Are the A's going to be out of there? Yeah. Going to Vegas, imagine? baby. Let's go to way, Vegas. You have- well, that's that's one of the possible landing spots. Do you have the uh, the A's um, song there for you? Uh, let me let me let me whip that up here for you. Hang on a second because uh, this is very important. But it just is. your it's... general thoughts on 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 what's going down here or what may go down here. Well, um, you've got the Raiders and you've got the Warriors who've left Oakland. Now, if the A's do, the Bay Area will be left with nobody. You know, and and the idea that Oakland, after being in you know, Philadelphia and Kansas city would leave again. I mean, they have rabid fans, great fan base. It is, it, it, it's such a part of the city. I can't imagine. It's like the Pittsburgh pirates leaving Pittsburgh. And I know that Oakland plays in a real shithole 
the Oakland Coliseum or whatever it is they call it these well, they days. Well, have for a long, long time. Yeah, and it's all I know. It's all about getting the new stadium, but I hope they don't leave. I, I, I am deep in my heart. I believe they're not going to leave. The city will get this done. They're not going to blow it like they blew it with the San Diego Chargers. Different cities, obviously, but I think they're going to stay. But you know, it's a very real possibility they could leave. Oakland is one of the possible relocations. Here's where else. Rob Manfred, what a dope that guy is. Uh, <laughs> Portland, Vancouver, Nashville, Charlotte. Oh, and Montreal. Wouldn't that be rich? <laughs> Montreal. But only. I'd be great, I'd be great for this people as, of Montreal. They'd have I'd to call themselves the Expos again, though. Yeah, not the A's. Yeah, the, the, the A's would not exist anymore. The Montreal Athletic Athletic no, Expos. No, it would have to be no. the Montreal Expos. If that were to happen, they should go back. Same uniforms, same yes. color scheme. Bring the, the Expos whole back. Yes. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, uh, they can play an old, uh, what was it, Jerry Park? Just to get the feel of playing in an old shitty stadium again. They leave one shitty st- They might have actually demolished that stadium, but hey. See, now... I, I hope they stay. I mean, I think the organization has to do what it has to, to, to have a facility. Look, they're competing with the Giants. I mean, the Giants got a new ballpark. The 49ers got a new ballpark. You know, you've got the Warriors there playing. They're fine. Um, you know, San Jose's, the Sharks have their arena and everything else. Um, you'd hate to see it, but, you know, if they were going to move, I don't like the Raiders, the Oakland thing, but I get it in terms of going to Vegas. Right. But you're trying to think of baseball towns. I don't think Vancouver or Portland are baseball towns. I like Nashville. I think I think they work in Nashville. A whole rebrand, um, you know, another or, or Charlotte. Yeah, the Charlotte. Charlotte's Nashville. boring. Nashville's got you know they do a great job with the Predators and um, and the Titans. Yeah, and the Titans too. Football I can see it more there. there. Just tie it all in baseball and yep. give me another reason to go to Nashville besides the music and hockey and. Uh, you know, but yeah, you know, this is more, you know, we really got to, you know, we got to have a show in Oakland and, and find out what the fans feel like. Sure. Look, uh, the uh, A's have now proposed privately funding a billion dollar stadium Ooh. and spending more in a development that would include 3000 units of affordable housing, office and retail space in this place called Howard Terminal, which is in Oakland. Um, and that apparently is moving the needle somewhat. Uh, we're hopeful that our really exciting plan for a waterfront ballpark that's privately funded will be taken up by the city council. That's what the president of the A's told the Associated Press. Um, and that's, again, that's what it all comes down to. Who's going to pay for this ballpark? That's not going to be me and you. It's not going to be, you know, we're not putting up, we're about a billion dollars short of that billion dollars. What if we play the song? You think it'll help them? I hope so. You think so? I think so. Now I want you gotta you gotta introduce this to everybody. What's okay? So this is there's a, a singer songwriter by the name of Dan Byrne, who writes a lot of songs about sports, most notably baseball. He does a song called the Home Run, the Year by Year Home Run Totals of Barry Bonds, which he essentially is just singing how many home runs Barry Bonds hit from '86 to 2004 <laughs> when he finally <laughs> retired. The idea of the song was this guy's a steroid junkie. And listen to these home run totals and how they expand and how many MVPs he won. It's all very sarcastic. So we wrote this song about the Oakland A's. I don't know if he's an A's fan, but this is his sort of tribute to the Oakland A's. Um, 
So there you go. And you want you want you want me to play this, right? You yes. Know talk about. Oh, okay. Here we go. You can't talk about the A's and not play the Oakland A's. This is the tribute to the Here's Oakland A's. The story of the Oakland A's. Here's the legacy of Charlie Finley and his slaves. They came from Philadelphia and Kansas City too. California gold, Kelly green, wedding gown white and Vita blue. It's a great line. Reggie, Rudy, Catfish, Dick Williams, and Sabando. Then a few years later, Billy Ball came around. It lasted until they ran Billy out of town. Now in the new millennium, Moneyball rules the roost. How being smart with numbers gives poor teams a boost. Tejada and his buddies gave Jeter a highlight reel. They come this close and just fall short. That seems to be their deal. The A's, the A's, the Oakland A's. Ain't no finer way to waste your days. Some harsh they stuff there. Play in that stadium yep. where no one else would play. <laughs> Hot dogs, beer, and cracker jack, then call it a day. Some would call that ballpark a freaking mausoleum. But that's no graveyard, mister. That's the Oakland Coliseum. This then is the story. So, yeah, that's that's the whole song. Gene Tennis, Ricky Henderson, Charlie Finley, and He's very talented. Dan, uh, Dan Burns is his name. His guitar's out of tune, but he's very talented. Yeah, no. It's good, man. It's See, all I don't, I don't Some great names, man. See, that's the thing, man. You know, you... You know, we're look. We're old men. We grew up with we these we, these guys. We don't want to see anybody move. Any any anything change? And by twenty twenty one and twenty two here, I mean to not have a, a you know a modern ballpark in the United States. Well, you know it is infrastructure month. <laughs> Maybe the Fed government give me some money to build a stadium for the right, Oakland. Can A's. they can they set some aside for struggling uh, sports franchises? Oh don't want to leave. God, it's just you know, I A's fans deserve a better stadium. They've had a team that seems to be competitive every year. Sure, they haven't won anything since you know 1989, but they're competitive and they they build these teams out of nothing. It's all smoke and mirrors, and. They deserve a better place to play. And Oakland fans who are so loyal, even when the team stinks, they deserve to have that team preserved there at, by any means necessary. So if they're willing to put up a billion dollars with their own money, I think the count, or the city council and the city fathers or whomever it is that doles out the money, they can come up with something to keep them there. I, just, you, I can't picture you, it. It's not, they're not going to gain money by losing a professional franchise. So... Get off your tulkis and do something. I can't picture the MLB without the Oakland A's. I can't either. I, I it'd be, ni- I, it'd be nice to see him back. To see him back. To see a team in Montreal again, just to have everything come full circle. Expand out there, but keep the A's in Oakland. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, pal. All right, man. Well, let's leave uh, the hardwoods, the diamonds, and the rinks there, and uh, it's time for our football section here. And it's Boy, basically, it's just basically, uh, 
you know, our guy. And this yes. is the theme music that we play for this guy that you want to talk about. It's uh, it's your boy, Mr. Watson. Give us we an update. We actually buddy. have some news Ooh. about, and and that's it. It's a short NFL segment, and no, it's not because I'm recovering from my illness. Um, twenty-two lawsuits, as you know, for those that need a refresher. Twenty-two lawsuits filed against one Deshaun Watson, quarterback for now of the Houston Texans. Now it appears, allegedly, that both sides are moving toward a settlement. Settlements. Of these, remember, it's one lawyer for all 22 so of these surprising. plaintiffs. Um, now, both sides are, of course, pointing at the other. Uh, the lawyer for, for Deshaun Watson, the immortal Rusty Harden, says that the plaintiff reached out. And Tony Busby, who represents all the plaintiffs, said that uh, Harden is the one that initiated talks. Whatever it is, there's a lot of smoke there. So I'm sure that they're talking about a settlement, which, which by the way, could mean that they've just said, how about a settlement? And the other side has said, you know, get the fuck out of here. But that is talking about a settlement. So... There is some movement here. Uh, if they do settle, it's likely that, from a football standpoint, that he'll be allowed to play. Watson will be allowed to play in the fall. And if so, if it is settled, uh, the Dolphins and the Eagles. Remember, before all this Michigas started, it was almost a certainty that he was going to be traded somewhere for a King's ransom because Houston wants him out of town. They've already drafted his replacement, Davis Mills from Stanford. So now the Eagles and the Dolphins, Dolphins, which is curious considering they have last year's second overall pick, Tua, but they're both interested. If he's allowed to play and the case goes away, sorry for the rhyme, they're both interested in paying what I'm sure will be a big price, but not the price that he would have fetched you know, before all of this happened. So we'll see. And there you have it, folks. There's your Deshaun Watson update, and that's it for the you know he's going to get through this, and he's going to have a gig. He's going to have a oh, gig, man. he's going to play. play, baby. That's it. It's just what franchise is willing to take the PR hit, as temporary as it may be, when they sign him. She's running out the door. Those are the lyrics. I, I, just, I just want some more news because I like playing that song. Yeah. Tonight's NFL segment was brought to you by the good folks at Radiohead. Radiohead. Thank you, Tom York. Thank you. Good days. Thank you, Tommy. Good times there. (laughs) Good times. Good times indeed. Uh, No doubt about it. And uh, it's now time for the miscellaneous section here on the Sports Hot Host. A couple of short items as we head towards the dope of the week. Can't wait. Very briefly. Um... Uh, look, we don't do much horse racing here on the Honchos. I mean, literally and figuratively. Um, but for those of you that don't know, Kentucky Derby winner Medina Spirit test, you know, blew a positive test for an illegal substance. We're still waiting on the second test to come back because apparently you get split tests. I thought the race. cancel culture knocked them out of that race. Uh, I think he said something negative about, you know, female horses. Um, oh, so the trainer, Bob Baffert, who's no stranger to having uh, cheating allegations and having horses disqualified. As of now, Medina Spirit is still the Kentucky Derby winner. Didn't win the Preakness. There'll be no Triple Crown this year. Now, I bring this up because your pals at Belmont Park uh, have said that Bob Baffert is banned from entering Medina Spirit, banned from entering any horses 
Can't temporarily go to the games at the new arena either. Temporarily suspended pending, you know, the outcome of the other test and the investigation and so on and so forth, which I say bullshit. Well, the only like reason it is or shit. it is complete horseshit. The people at Belmont Stakes at the Belmont Park are full of it because you and I, Paul, both know and we don't have to wear our tinfoil conspiracy hats to know this. Though we like to wear if, them. That if Medina Spirit and had won Phil the Preakness. Preakness would guess. Right. If Medina Spirit had won the Preakness, the only time people watch, other than the diehards, that watch the Belmont Stakes is when there's a chance for a triple crown. Everyone watches the Derby. Everyone watches the Preakness because you want to see if the Derby winner wins the Preakness. And then if there's a double winner, Derby, Preakness, then people watch Belmont. So now that there's no chance of a triple crown winner and viewership's going to go down, now Belmont says with its chest puffed out, there's no place in this sport for someone like trainer Bob Baffert, so he's banned. There's See no ya. chance. No chance they would have done this if Medina Spirit had a chance of being a triple crown winner, tainted as it may be, because the odds are the second sample that was taken from the Derby is going to come back positive also, and then that he'll that horse will be disqualified and the winner will be I just, whomever the runner-up I can't was. believe in this day and age, this modern day and age, that the cheaters still just keep on trying to cheat, thinking they're not <laughs> going to get caught. I mean, why not just do it the old-fashioned way? You know, just bang on some trash cans instead of, you know, taking steroids. <laughs> Sorry, there was a cheap baseball shot. I like that. I like that. So, uh, yeah, good, good luck to the people at Belmont. Yeah. Um, and Kenny Main is out at SportsCenter, uh, ESPN, I should say. Another one of these guys who was a personality larger than the network himself. They asked him to take a 61% pay cut. Why? Why 61, Rob? I have no idea why 61. Um, But they want him to take a pay cut and do almost as much work. And he said, it's time for me to move on. Now, I know you're a history teacher, but is 61% a lot in math? The money? I believe it is. Okay. I believe it's more than half. <laughs> it's a lot of money. So if you're making a dollar, they want you to make 39 cents. Hey, not bad. <laughs> Did a pretty nice job coming up with that all on my own. Um, oh, look, ESPN is moving more towards moderate, low-key. People who can keep their mouth sort of, shut. Right. Off sort the air. of neutral. <laughs> and on social media. <laughs> right. They want a bunch of Mike Greenbergs, guys oh, that are. man. That are just total vanilla, don't offend anybody, <laughs> and that don't, don't, don't paint outside the lines. Kenny Mayne is one of the – at a time when ESPN was more about personality and less about sports, although they did a hell of a job you know, with the sports, but they were about the personalities. You tuned into ESPN because you didn't get those kinds of personalities anywhere else. You know, Dan, uh, Keith Oberman, Dan Patrick, Stuart Scott, Keith Kenny Mayne, Rich Eisen. Keith Oberman now is out dogs on his Twitter account. Yeah, Ugh. well, he Keith Oberman has gone completely mental. Um, he's gone off the rails completely. So Kenny Mayne, he's out. He'll be missed. And yet Chris Berman, Chris Berman gets a contract extension. They can't distance themselves from Chris Berman, who is just he, he's a parody of himself now. Now I will say on the ESPN or NFL Countdown show that he does, or NFL Live, whatever the post game show is, it's entertaining. It's some old school nostalgia. And maybe that's why they retained him, because schmucks like me, who love the old school ESPN nostalgia, still watch. But 
you know, Kenny Maine and the people only like reason, buddy, their cup of tea. because the, all the young kids are looking at their apps and their betting apps and yeah. and everything else. They don't need Chris Berman anymore because they I can get a ride on their phone. I need him, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Yeah, because you it's wake not, up at six o'clock in the morning on Sundays in the fall, set up your buckets of popcorn and your cases of beer, and you like to watch the old men round the table talking about what they think is going to happen today. By the way, you gave me way too much credit. At my age, at this point in my life, <laughs> beers, plural, that's a lot. <laughs> and I wouldn't say it's exactly a bucket. Maybe a solo cup, a but not a bucket. No, I said a bucket. Of, I said a bucket of popcorn. It's a barrel of popcorn, isn't it? <laughs> Whatever. It's a large <laughs> container of popcorn. Oh, Face man. first, my popcorn. Too much. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Yeah. It's time for the Dope of the Week. Dope of the Week. That's awesome, dude. That's right, folks. Even after a week off, the Gags Gang and I still spend countless hours each week in the basement of the Go Sports Media Complex to come up with each week's winner. You can. You, Mr. and Mrs. Podcast listener, for absolutely no reward, save for undying respect and gratitude, Help pilot the show by nominating a Dope of the Week yourselves. Use the hashtag D-O-T-W on Twitter, at Cuthbert Live, at Bitter and Rage, at Sports Honchos, at Go Sports Media Co., or any one of the four or combination of them. That's how you can reach us. And who will be carrying the mythical Sports Honchos Dope of the Week Cup around the ice rink of shame this week? Why, John James Jimbo Fisher... Head coach of the Texas A&M football team. Way to go, Johnny boy! Now, some may think that Coach Fisher is the D.O.T. dubs for his nickname, but no, it is for something even more cringy and uncomfortable. Recently, at a Houston Touchdown Club dinner, Fisher was asked by a booster what was the key to beating Alabama and head coach Nick Saban, quote, other than Saban finally retiring. Fisher responded with this gem. We're going to beat his ass even when he is there. Now, this response drew a lot of yucks, some nervous laughter as well, but from this guy, it has drawn mostly criticism. Now, look, I understand the need to rally the fans and stir up excitement with the boosters. I know this from my years and years of experience as a college football coach. He was in Texas, after all. I am not surprised that Jimbo dabbled in a little trash talking aimed at his former boss, but I question Fisher putting his sanity out for such public scrutiny. Everyone knows that Alabama is the undisputed heavyweight champion of college football and that Nick Saban, the Nictator, is the best coach in the business, maybe the best college football coach of all time. There is no shame in loudly proclaiming that you want to beat the best. In fact, every other coach should publicly declare that they want to beat Bama. Remember, to be the best, you have to beat the best. However, there is a Grand Canyon-sized gap between saying you want to beat the champ and you are going to beat the champ. Saban knows everyone is gunning to topple his empire. To say otherwise would make you a liar. But he does not want anyone saying he can actually do it, not in public anyway. That just makes him angry. And you would not want you would not like him when he's angry. Now, maybe, just maybe, Fisher said this because he is close to cracking the Saban code. Maybe he is saying <laughs> this after several tense games that came down to a last minute score or amazing defensive stop at the goal line. Well, friendos, before you start gnawing on your fingernails, here is how much of a barn burner these A&M Alabama games have been. 2018, 
Alabama 45, Texas A&M 23. 2019, Alabama 47, A&M 28. 2020, Alabama 52, A&M 24. If you're keeping score at home, that is 0 for 3 for Fisher against Saban. And Alabama has just squeaked by A&M 144 to 75 in those three games. In fact... Since 1942, when these two teams started playing each other, Alabama is 11-2 all-time against the Aggies. In 1939, A&M won the national championship. Not bad. Since then, Alabama has won 14 national championships. What has A&M done during that time span? Well, they were ranked as high as fourth once. So, yeah. Zooming out even wider, we see that Saban's unbelievable 23-0 record all-time against his former assistant coaches and Alabama has outscored those teams 980 to 397. Close. Fisher, Fisher was Saban's offensive coordinator at LSU from 2000 to 2004. So Jimbo not only stepped on the Hornets' nest here, but he stomped on it repeatedly and backed his car over it. Cannot wait for this season to start. The line for their upcoming game this season should be Bama by 50-plus with the over-under of 100. <laughs> One thing Fisher does have over Saban is he certainly knows how to fail and fail spectacularly. Now, Saban, to his credit, had just had a measured response to Fisher's comments. And why not? Saban was just swatting away Fisher's impotent challenge like he was brushing a gnat off that fabulous straw hat of his. Let's take a listen to what Saban, to how and, uh, Saban responded. Jimbo said yesterday that um, at some point while you're in Tuscaloosa, he was going to beat your butt. That wasn't the word that he used, but did you have any response for that? In golf? <laughs> <laughs> I think he, I think he meant on the football field. <laughs> Well, I'm sure there will come a day, you know, but uh, is that what he's talking about? Yeah, football? He, he, was talking, he was talking about football. Oh, he was? Wow. He used to be on my noontime basketball league, yeah. I guess. You know, we're no longer partners, yeah. you know, when it comes to that. Coach. Now, they have a really good team, really good program, and, um, you know, they're getting better and better all the time, and there's a lot of challenges in the SEC, and they're certain one of, certainly one of the up-and-coming programs, and he's always been a great coach, did a great job for us when he was with us, and he's had a great career as a head coach. So, um, you know, it's going to be a challenge for us, no doubt, when we have to play him. So Saban is funnier and a better trash talker than he's Fisher. Excellent. That was in, excellent. In addition to being a better coach. <laughs> Fisher has no chance. Saban just beat him up, took his lunch money, and gave him a chocolate swirly on the way out. So, Jimbo, my friend, for not understanding how trash talking truly works, for not bothering to read even the Cliffs Notes version of your school's football history, and for making your team 0-1 without playing a single down, you are the Sports Honcho's Dope of the Week. Congrats, Jimbo. Your certificate is in the mail. Jimbo? I thought it was Johnny! John James Jimbo Fisher. Oh, okay. You're Johnny Jimbo. Way to go, Jimbo Johnny. Beat them Bama butts one of these days. Yes, one day, you know, long after Saban is retired, presumably. I'll tell you, man, you know, talk about put yourself He doesn't look like he's retiring anytime soon, buddy. No. No, No, not a chance. No, no. I mean, there's nobody in the world that can beat him, really. Nope. And now that Lawrence is not, out of not Clemson, Fisher. Lawrence is out of Clemson, it's done. Is it? I mean, you never hear Dabo Sweeney, a guy who was, you know, beaten Alabama and has won a couple of championships of his own, saying anything about Nick Saban. And here's this Jamoke, who has yet to Jamoke, score hundred total those. points. How do you spell Jamoke? I don't know. J A Moke, who has yet to score hundred <laughs> points total against Saban while coach at A and M. 
you know, running his yap, saying we're going to beat his ass. I don't care if he was joking, saying it humorously. You just don't do that. That's like you saying you're better looking than me. That's crazy talk. You know, only like only Stevie Wonder. Oh, thinks I'm better looking than you. <laughs> That's why I hang out with Stevie Wonder. Oh man. <laughs> Love you, Stevie. Just kidding. He's not Just driving kidding. you to get gas tomorrow, is he? I might be might be a better driver than some of the other drivers I faced out here. Oh my lord! Oh my lord! Good stuff. Good luck. Roll tide, baby. Go roll, roll damn tide. Roll damn tide, man. How many days until uh training camp uh, football? What's the story, buddy? You okay over there? Had, they've already had the spring football game, so we're right around the corner. Oh man. Won't be long, but we Won't need to long. take our time. It's just starting to get warm, man. The we'll chill, be around. The chill is finally gone. We'll know? be we'll be around for uh, for college football season. So you know we'll get here when it gets here. Oh look, what a surprise! Game three going into overtime. Buckle up, <laughs> two, baby. Two. Buckle oh, yeah. up. Hurricanes up one nil on the Preds. The Jets and the Oilers are on the way, and. Uh, Great series up there in uh, in Colorado, St. Louis and the Avalanche, man. It's good stuff. Whoever comes out of the Washington-Boston series, whoever plays them has a distinct advantage. Those teams are going to be just – they're just going to beat the snot out of each other. So, Dude, you know what we want. Look, as a Ranger fan, I'd like to see the Islanders knocked out as soon as possible. But everybody wants the Caps and the Islanders. Come on. I, I, want, to see, I want to see it only because I can't stand the Penguins. I'd like them to be – I'd like the Islanders to take care of them. If we make it past Boston, I would like to not have to play the Pens again. Not that the Islanders are any great shakes, you know, but it's it's the, the lesser of two evils. All right, before we go off air, who's who's scoring for the Caps in overtime? I'm going to take Manta. Who's scoring? Uh, I'm going to take uh, Wilson. Ooh, Tommy, yeah. Tommy Wilson. Tommy Wilson, baby. After he beats the shit out of some guy, guy. skates over his face. After he godzilla then- New York. <laughs> oh good stuff well look buddy be great having you back man it's great to be back we missed you buddy and fully rehydrated yes good to be back it is very good to be back all right folks as always we can't thank you enough for tuning in listening subscribing and uh we apologize for not being here last week but you know sorry sometimes you get the poops it's all my fault. And you got to take a break. Rob, Remember, to take a break. you can always call us. But we roll on here. Sports Hachos <laughs> World. Uh, thanks to the Dean Blundell Net, as always, too. And Rob, as always, say goodnight to the peoples. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for, you know, being concerned about my welfare. But I am back and better than ever. And we appreciate you listening. Rate us, review us, subscribe, follow, all those things. You're the reason why we do this, and we appreciate you more than you know. So this weekend, be nice to each other, be safe out there, and as always, peace. Well said, my friend. Honcho's out!